0: On today's episode of Survival Dispatch News, we're talking urban survival and urban conflict. Today's episode of Survival Dispatch News is brought to you by Off Grid Trek. Stay tuned to the end of the video for more information. And we're back. We're joined today by Mike Sterling and Jeff Nicholas. For those uh, people who haven't met you yet, Mike, uh, go ahead and introduce yourself, please.
1: Uh, thanks for having me back again Chris uh I'm Mike Sterling master EOD technician uh 23 years in the army and then working as a contractor since um several several times around the block in dirty places uh and a lot of them in, in the cities of Iraq
0: All right, well we appreciate your service thank you Mike uh Jeff new to the survival dispatch world um so some notoriety around your name um you know, from uh, Black Hawk down in Mogadishu, but go ahead and introduce yourself. And uh, that way I won't forget anything and miss some of the important points.
2: Hey, Chris. Uh, yeah, Jeff Nicholas. Uh, I retired from the United States Army as a Chief Foreign Officer for uh, flew Black Hawk for 20 years. Uh, went on to serve a, a stint uh, as a contractor to a government agency um, after I retired. And then I went on to fly EMS. Um, uh, in a couple of places around the country for about fifteen years and two years ago retired from that and started a company called Compliant Technologies. I'm glad to be here and' um, it, it's an interesting topic, and I'll do my best to try to help parlay into the conversation based around urban survival today.
0: yeah, appreciate that, Jeff. I suppose like we should um, just for you know the the basic information, both of you have been in theaters where there's been urban conflict going on, Jeff in the air and, and Mike, you on the ground. So you have some perspective that somebody like me, for example, and and a lot of people in survival dispatch land wouldn't have. Uh, Mike, I said to you, uh, you know, offline, you know, phone conversation a while ago that I, I didn't feel that, you know, uh, urban warfare was likely in america you know that that a foreign adversary wouldn't you know probably try and invade us and you had an interesting counter to that as you always do uh with regards to potential urban conflict uh armed conflict warfare whatever you want to call it so uh, why don't we just start there
1: okay so uh you know of course conflict doesn't necessarily have to be actual hot war i mean we're 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 living in a in a in a world right now, even here in the United States, where we're we're in a position of gray zone warfare. If you, uh, you know, if you if you look at it from that point of view, where we are below the level of declared armed conflict, but there's conflict nonetheless, and and you could have that either from, you know, either from the you know, you know, mostly peaceful uh, uh, demonstrations downtown i e 2020 um which was just a joy for everybody to to be involved with or uh we we've got a, a huge if you look at a lot of the cartel activity that that uh happened in in you know uh south america and then moving further and further north and what's happening in mexico right now i mean this is this is a view of things to come you don't have to have an army invading your country you can have you can have you know, insurgent groups or the like, and they can move in. I'll tell you what, having seen it in Iraq, they can move in, take over an entire, you know, take over an entire region of a city overnight. And now you somebody's got to go in there and root those knuckleheads out. Um, and, and that's and the cartels don't care.
2: Yeah, I not only that. Uh, I'm I'm sorry. Oh, I, I was add to what Mike had said in Sorry about jumping in there, but go ahead. A lot of times, these these people—if you look at where does where does the brainchild of all this insurgency begin—it could very well begin with a political class that has a narrative they want to shape, and they use these cartels like MS-13. You can look into the data, look at the death of Seth Rich, and who committed that crime, and the people that perpetrated it were miraculously or you know mysteriously killed, uh, you know, not very long after the incident. The, all that stuff will be parsed out and the truth will come out. But these people, are, whether it's Antifa, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's MS-13, which is, these are all become the major muscle movements of activity to help create that narrative for mostly peaceful protests like Michael's talking about. And they become the henchmen, so to speak, of the people trying to trying to shape the narrative.
1: And, and to, to bounce off of that, uh, if you look at if you look at a lot of the things that happened in South America uh with a lot of the roving gangs there they were actually backed by the political class as their as basically as their muscle and, and openly openly
2: uh, stated that they were so yeah um, look what just happened in Brazil with their election right the right. people that entered the buildings and stuff were not the citizens it was the the paid. The paid protesters, right? Yeah, we have that in Chile in the 70s. Yeah. So, you know, in, in light of that,
0: what's your average citizen's, you know, best course of action or lack of action? Like, what do you do if you live in an urban center and this stuff breaks out? So whether it's something like a peaceful protest or whether it's uh, cartel violence on a larger scale, like we've seen in Mexico, over the course of the past year in particular you know we've seen cartels in mexico with helicopters and you know fully auto 50bmg's on these choppers um you know destroying large squares you know city squares and in urban centers what other i know what you're going to say mike don't be there like you know and, and you have to state the obvious totally agree but what 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 you know advice could you you know give to our audience as far as how can they prepare? What do you do when it's happening? When's it safe to, you know, go outside? All those sort of things. So,
1: I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big uh, subscriber to the Urban Warfare Project over at the U.S. Military Academy, um, and uh, I've, I've, I've actually given quite a bit of information to them i sent you i sent you a lot of that information as well there's some wonderful wonderful information in there they've had a lot of studies on urban warfare going going quite a ways back and not just u.s wars so the biggest problem is what you're looking at is you're looking at two belligerents right and you're caught in between and we're looking at uh, in the united states predominantly only 21% of our population lives in rural areas. The entire rest of our population, what, 79% we're looking at right there, lives in either urban or suburban areas. Okay, so these are all built up areas. Um, so I, I think the biggest things that you have to look at is, is A, who are the belligerents, right? And your your absolute best, best course of action is to get out. Um, the, the, one of the rules of urban warfare is that civilians die in great big bloody batches in these things. If they're stuck there, they're nothing but targets, and that is a very bad place to be. Get out. Of course, you know, rule one, don't be there when the bad things happen, which goes back to your intelligence prep. Um, and rule two, get out as absolutely soon as you possibly can. But that doesn't, that, none of that is up to you. That is up to the belligerents as to whether or not they will allow you to get out of there. Now, if it's the U.S. military or if it's, um, uh, you know, possibly the Ukrainian military or or any major, major military, most of the time they're going to do their best to evacuate you out. I mean, in, in Iraq, we went to some pretty extensive lengths, especially in Sadr City, to be able to get the population out. However, if you're dealing with an insurgent group, in particular, if you're looking at, at like the cartels, you have to look at Mao's rules. And I mean, let's face it, Mao states, the guerrilla must move amongst the, pop, uh, amongst the people as a fish swims in the sea. Okay, if they let the population out, they got nobody to hide behind. So if you look at Hamas, uh, Hamas, does, Hamas doesn't let the civilians out. As a matter of fact, they set up rocket launchers and border tubes right on hospitals specifically hoping that the Israelis won't counter at, at them so it, it's a question of can you get out but will they let you out okay um and both parties have to let you out you know if you've got the if you've got the attackers completely surrounding you and they won't let you out then the defenders you know but the defenders want to try and protect you you know i mean that's the both sides have to basically allow you out so um that's why of course the earlier you can you can get out of there the absolute better um it's it's no good you can't fight against it you really can't there's there's not a whole lot you can do uh and 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 it's awful it's awful if you get two major belligerent groups doing these sort of things that's bad now if you're if you're looking at um like we talked about like you know if the cartels come in or if you've got you know the blm or anybody like that you stay you you know, you you may wind up basically being hostage in your own home, and if you're outnumbered fifty to a hundred to one, and they're way out outgunning you, uh, oh, I'm going to pull out my AR-15 and take care of them. Yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah, you might want to think twice about that, kids. You you might want to you want might want to be smarter about this. Evacking is your absolute
2: best thing if you're caught between two major factions like that. I don't really know necessarily in the united states and and I, i've been there in somalia they used uh human shields like nobody's business and there was well over a thousand people killed october 3rd and many of them were probably innocent uh civilians caught in the mix and they purposely put them there to try to get people to hesitate so that, that they can have a tactical advantage uh i think in my opinion what we're going to see across the country is we're going to see more of these peaceful type of protests Organize in your major urban areas where it could have the most impact, the most visibility, and uh, there will be people caught in the mix. And I think um, our situation as Americans is this. It would never happen in this country. Um, we're Joe's six-pack slash couch potatoes. It's never, it's never going to happen to us. And we're great progna- uh, uh, procrastinators. And then we have a McDonald's mindset. We want it now. However, when everything converges, you realize you're pretty much up the creek without the paddle. And so in the Army, we had a couple, um, a couple sayings. The plan is only the foundation for change. So if you don't have a plan, guess what? You're already kind of screwed. And then it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. If you want to be prepared in a in a urban area, you don't need to look like a commando. You don't need to walk around with a helmet on and a vest and all the other kind of stuff. Situational awareness is your best friend. Understanding your area that you live in so that situationally aware that and I'm sure you've been talking about your, the so-called attention just could be uh, intel, could be just watching the nightly news to see where people are gathering. Avoid the area and get out. Have enough supplies if you need to hunker down for a couple days. People talk about growing food in an urban environment and all that. We're not homesteading, right? That's a hobby. <laughs> so you don't have to go to get your tomatoes at the grocery store. You want to have your resources right there to include your water in case the water shut off. Have a solar charger. Have some batteries and have some flashlights so that you can operate day or night. And then you have a plan of multiple egress routes to get out. The key is, it's just like prison breaks. A lot of guys were successful at a prison, but where do they go? They got caught because they never had a plan. Where are you going when you get out of the city? That's where you need to ultimately make this plan. It doesn't have to be crazy. Uh, it could be one state over and you're going to go stay two weeks at at a hotel. Or you're going to go to see family or do something like that. But keeping your head on a swivel and avoiding confrontation. If for some reason you find yourself in the middle of an Antifa BLM protest, then they're standing up against the cops and everything's going crazy If you need to and you're fine, you're in the middle of it, blend in and assimilate just as enough as you transgress or transgo or, you know, uh, transfer through that crowd to get out of there. Right. Pretend you're one of them until you can get out of the way and then get out of there. Right. Um, And so uh, obviously, like you said, the best thing to do is just avoid it altogether and then, you know, have a little go kit in your car, have a little go kit in your house or your apartment or wherever you live. But it doesn't have to be that extravagant. But it it needs to have a little bit of thought and a little bit of preparation. And remember, a lot of people are are very brave when it's it's peaceful. Uh, I'm going to go out and shoot everybody, and this is how I'm going to protect my – when you have a gun in your hand and you're staring somebody down, you're not probably going to do that. And the bravado goes out the door pretty quickly when you realize you're going to take someone's life. So don't even go down that road. Don't have any false bravado. Do the smart thing for yourself and your family.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. You're the first person that I've said or heard say, pardon me, um, not just to blend in, but to look like one of the agitators. And that's kind of I think Antifa's done that where, you know, they've wore, you know, Trump hats and whatnot to try and blend in with a Trump crowd and then have become agitators. Not the same goal, but
2: a similar principle to... Well, you're just trying to look like them and act like you're supposed to be there so you don't stand out until you can get out of their way, right? Yeah, just like we talked about
1: before, Chris, uh, camouflage doesn't necessarily mean leaves hanging off your face. Uh, I mean, yeah, you want to blend in with your environment. And in this case, showing up up at one of these things, wearing 5'11s, a grunt-style T-shirt, and an AR across your chest... That's not blending
0: in yeah i i mean yeah that's a really interesting though because i can see some people having part of their kit what do they call it block wear or something like that the antifa you know the all black stuff they call it block something or other but uh
2: heading your go bag should probably be a little bit of a book bag and it should like 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 you would carry uh like you're going to school or doing something like that it should just be a civilian bag And again, you're just using it to get out of the way. You're not, you're not, you know, you have, you have the necessities, right? You can go get a million lists on what the necessities are, but it doesn't have to be sophisticated.
0: Yeah. That's a point well taken, Jeff. Uh, Definitely interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to remember all this stuff so I don't forget it for a recap afterwards, but everything from, we always say, be situationally aware. So be aware of what's going on in your vicinity. And I like what you said as far as having a plan. If if you don't have a plan and then you're in a super stressful situation, you're probably not going to come up with the best plan under duress. That's a great idea. Blending in, whether it's a gray man principles or, you know, looking like you're somebody part of that group. I, that's, I really like that. That's a, that's a well, great strategy. Well, people
2: die when they panic. Yeah. Um, if you're under extreme amount of stress is a lot easier if you don't have a plan and you, you don't have, um, you're not healthy, you're, you are you know, you haven't taken care of yourself, then the the, the fact is, you're probably going to make stupid mistakes. And you're going to make preventable mistakes. And that's the sad part about it is because most people, like I said, don't think it's ever going to be them. And when they face that situation, they they will probably a lot of times freeze up and now they're the victim, they're the collateral damage, you're done.
0: Yeah, I was on uh, uh, Brave TV earlier today. I'm, I'm on as a guest every Tuesday, and we were discussing complacency amongst Floridians when it comes to hurricanes. We, I mean, we've all of us who live in Florida, we've been through countless hurricanes. It's like, yeah, whatever, you know. And but occasionally, you get, you know, a Cat Four, Cat Five comes along that, you know, is gonna, you know, take lives. And if you wait until the last minute, you try to get on the interstate or any other evac route. You cook, man. It's it's a parking lot. So that whole backing up though to both of y'all's comments about being situationally aware. If you have awareness, you probably have a you know initially you have a very short window of opportunity to get out of dodge. Speaking firsthand experience from a emergency preparedness perspective in Florida, uh, you know we're in uh, Georgia right now in the Blue Ridge Mountains and. Uh, prior to my wife and I being married, uh, we had a big storm coming to Florida, and she packed up her father and and dogs and came here and got out of Dodge before everybody else was like, holy crap, we better leave. And by then it was too late. The pictures from I-95 and I-75 was a parking lot from one end of the state to the other. So,
2: you know, uh, good feedback, good comments. Uh, well, can I just add one other thing? Yeah. You know, a lot of people say, I don't have time to do this. Uh, you know, I what's situational awareness and all that. People practice it every day. If you live in an urban environment and you're watching this, you're going, you you have people come to visit, or you tell somebody, hey, don't go down past this block after night. There's a lot of bad people that hang out there. You know where the drug dealers are in your area, you know, but you know what's a bad, you know what side of the town is a good side, you know what side of the town is the bad side, right? You already practice these things. In a a common sense day-to-day living thing, okay, we're not going to go there at night. This is what happens at night, right? So all you have to do is take it a little step further. Where do we go and how do we get there and what do we take along? And it's a a little bag that you have in your car and it just can stay there. It's not like you have to walk around like you're uh, going to be doing a a 40-day trek in the wilderness, right?
0: Yeah, and I mean, and it's uh, Jason Sawyer one of our top influencers. Like he, you know, says there's, there's a broad range of SHTF. Could be as simple as you breaking down, you know, flat tire in the middle of, the, you know, off the beaten path all the way to, you know, warfare on the other end. Um, having an emergency preparedness kit in your vehicle just makes good sense regardless of what part of the country you live in and whether we're talking urban conflict or we're ta- talking something that's weather related uh, look at the you know the snowstorms in buffalo this past year where a bunch of people died in their cars you know they they sat in their cars for extended periods of time got carbon monoxide poisoning they had no food they had no water you know it was uh those those people lost their lives due to a lack of situational awareness which is terribly unfortunate um
2: can I can I just throw one other thing in there, Chris? Absolutely. You know, a lot of people tell me, you know, and, and I'm I'm a faith based guy, right? And uh, I know the Lord's watching out for us. There's a lot of people say, well, well, I, I've heard a lot of people say this flippantly. God's going to take care of me. We've got grain silos when they knew things were going to happen, right? So you use your be harmless as uh, um, wise as serpents and harmless as doves, right? you can still operate in this world, still trust God, but, you know, a little common sense and some preparation go a long way. So, you know, if you just throw your hands up in the air and say, God's going to take care of me, um, I would just uh, say, uh, be careful.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I think we've had some side conversations, Jeff, where I, you know, said, I can't remember how many times I've set a goal. I've worked hard towards achieving that goal and didn't achieve the goal because something came at me sideways where I was rewarded for my hard work. If you don't put any effort in, it's unlikely that God or anybody else is going to help you. You got to, you got to put some skin in the game one way or the other, you know, you get out what you put in. Right. Um, So Mike, going back to, you know, that we're in a field of conflict, you know, so we've got some cartel activity whatever the case may be, it might be Antifa, BLM or whatever. And, you know, you've got your plan and you, you evac your house and you're accosted somewhere on route to whatever your destination may be, uh, words of wisdom, you know, for your average person, what do you, you know, it could be a carjacking, could be, you know, uh, a mugging, whatever the case may be, but what are, what are some thoughts? And I know there's not a, a you know, a panacea here. But it's good to have be aware of what some of your choices are,
1: so you yeah, know of course your your courses of action in in this case are going to are going depend on what it is that's going on around you you know if you're if you're in a situation you've just got one idiot who's trying to carjack you right and there's you know you've got fairly clean streets uh and you're you're in your process you know either e- either take off or or fight it just depending on the situation. Now, if you drive into a checkpoint, right? Say that one of the, you know, say the 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 cartels have got a checkpoint up and they're looking through everything and they're turning people back and everything like that. Well, you got two choices. You can try to fight your way out, but you're over gut big time. So that's probably not a very good idea at all. Um your next option and man, I'll tell you what, this is a big thing in the third world, buy your way out that's a big thing. That's why, you know, everybody asks, well, why do special operations car- teams carry around bunches of money to buy your way out of these kind of situations? And you can try and bluff your way out. You know, I mean, and, and, you know, who knows, maybe it's not the cartels. Maybe it's just some idiots that are just trying to shake you down for whatever cash is inside your wallet. Okay. But you know what, in that case, getting the cash out of your wallet, just so you can get your, can- your family to safety. Right now, that's there's no guarantee that they're not going to try and kill you anyway to take the rest of your stuff. But the faster you can get through there, the better. Now, of course, the best option that you've got is to look like you have nothing to begin with. And therefore, they're not going to want to, you know, spend any time on, you, you know, back to the whole camouflage thing. If you show up driving a, you know, driving a 73 Chevy pickup truck, that's all beat to hell. And you've got, you know, your wife, you know, your ugly wife and, and your two starving kids in there and nothing else, they're not going to get anything from you. They're, they're going to, they're either going to turn you around or they're going to pass, pass you on. But the the bottom line is, you know, you gotta, you gotta smart your way out of these things. That's the best thing.
2: And if you can avoid those type of things through your intelligence prep, the better off you
1: can be. And that's the one thing, um, for those evacuations that so very many people just don't pay attention to is streets are not your only avenue uh if you go to la uh you can get around you can get around that city big time utilizing the utilizing the river courses and that's the same in a lot of a lot of urban areas river courses are a great open area to be able to, to be able to move around it the other thing is the sewers the the fourth dimension of urban warfare is under your feet and a large quantity of combat happens there, but you got to be in a city that actually hasn't like Sodder city had virtually no, no, you know, navigable sewers in it. You know, it didn't have, you know, big, you know, eight foot high, 12 foot wide storm drains or anything like that. Just a lot of Arab cities don't have that built into. Them. Um, but a lot of the time the combat doesn't start there one side will move into it and then the other side moves in to counter them. So usually that first that first few days, those are open routes to be able to get out of a city, if need be.
0: That's man, that's interesting. That's that's I wouldn't have never thought of that on my own. So just because I know that there's, you know, there's gonna be some Uh, keyboard commandos commenting down below on how you know they would entrench themselves and you know john rambo their way out of it and so on and so forth you said to me uh, in one of our offline conversations that from a military perspective there were a few things like if you couldn't call in air support from somebody like you know jeff's team or whatever there were several other things then at the end of the day it's 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 a no brainer to get out or Dodge. What, what were the three things I just, sorry, I can't remember them exactly.
1: So the, the thing that we teach uh, whenever possible is, is when it comes to security operations, um, you know, am I going to get into this fight decision point? Yes, no. So unless you've got a platoon of infantry behind you, unless you've got a radio and at the other end of that radio, I've got, I've got a helicopter medevac on call a dust off on call with a combat support hospital, minutes away by that dust off. And I can also on that same radio call call fires like mortars, rockets, artillery, stuff like that. What? What reason do you have to be getting into into a fight? Stay out of that fight. If you don't gotta be into that, into that fight, don't get into that fight. If you can avoid a fight, avoid a fight whenever possible. Because you don't have the you don't have the backup to be able to do that. Now there's time to fight. All right. Don't get me wrong. There's there's a time. It's like, all right, decision point. We're gonna have to get this on. But if you're gonna fight, you should you should fight to win. And you should do absolutely everything to have everything in your favor before you fight but just saying, Oh, well, I'm going to go ahead and fight. Well, you kill, you kill two or three cartel, uh, cartel soldiers. Somebody's gonna take notice. Let's face it. They take an affront to that stuff. They're going to show up with 20. And last I checked, most of us don't have claymores and and grenade launchers lying about.
0: Right. So essentially, you know, for the internet commandos who, you know, would John ramble their way out of it. You could probably refer to that uh, psyche. That mentality is the balls bigger than the brain syndrome. Just my opinion.
2: I think, uh, you know, really from like tools in your toolbox, right. That a guy, that a guy could use, you know, what's going to be the more likely scenario. I don't think most people would have that, that type of moxie to want to do that. And, and I think they would be using their head to some degree. Uh, Cause I know that I wouldn't just pull up an AR and start waylaying guys, especially if, if I don't know the terrain and I'm I'm sitting in a vehicle, whatever. I think the key is besides situational awareness. And we used to teach this when you're flying a Black Hawk, for example, you, your heart, you, your mind and your eyes need to be out about two or three minutes. Um, ahead of your, your bird. You know, you fly the aircraft, don't let the aircraft fly you. And so I think the same is understanding your routes, understanding the major avenues of departure in and out of the city and, under, and understanding some of the ways to get out of there as things start heating up. Don't wait until it's almost impossible. And then look out much further than you would. You can probably see a roadblock blocks away because you'll see an a, a, a bunch of activity avoid the activity take another route but your your situation awareness needs to be way ahead of that vehicle not like we normally drive when we're looking around us and just looking at the cars around us your attention needs to be well beyond your vehicle at that point so you can start spying things out in advance more so and that's just being a heightened awareness so that you can get out of there, right? All of this stuff is designed. I'm not going to have a sniper rifle in my car, right? I'm not here to take to pick somebody off. I need a, I need a, a maybe a handgun, a small go bag, gas in my car, and a way to communicate, and and I'm out of here, right? That's the goal. The goal is to get out. The goal is not to stay and hunker and fight. It's not to homestead. It's not to do any of that. What do I need to do to have enough awareness? and enough insight to get me and my family out of this before it gets crazy. That's what it is. This is not a stay-and-fight world. If you think that you're going to be in an urban environment and you've got yourself with 20,000 weapons on your walls and cases of ammo and and you're waiting for the apocalypse, your head is in the wrong spot. That's not what's going to happen because what's going to happen is, is you're going to be dead and someone's going to own all your cases of ammo and all your guns.
0: Yeah, as you were saying that, I was just thinking of situations, you know, like most municipalities forbid you from fortifying residential structures. And so unless you have, you know, say in Florida, hurricane shutters are are not uncommon. But besides that, it wouldn't take much for somebody to throw a Molotov cocktail into your home and, you know, they're going to burn you out, smoke you out and your are S.O.L., when you're controlling- there, there
2: is no Alamo in America like people want to think there is. There, it's not. It's not going to happen that way. It's not going to go down that way. And um, you know, I, I, I think the powers that be are trying to get us to lead into these types of attitudes where they want civil war. They want civil discord. Right. The the planning and preparation here. I'm hope people take away is not how am I going to fight the bad guys. Right. At some point, I believe that there are good guys in the wings that will come in. Uh, I don't believe 100% of our military, 100% of our law enforcement, 100% of the, our first responders are are buying. I believe it's a very, very small percentage of the people who are causing this internal chaos within our country. I think by and large, most people want to live in peace. They respect our law enforcement or military. They want to. They don't want to be a hindrance, right? And the last thing you want to do, too is when there are these police actions going on, you have to assume that the cops are there doing the right thing. You're not going to go up and inspect them and interrogate them. Are they on the good side or the bad side? You want to avoid those confrontations, and you want to get out of the area, respect them to let them do their job, assuming that they're there to do the right thing. You know, um, We're not the judge, jury, and executioner here. Our, our job is to protect ourselves, our family. Let them have the house. Let them have the apartment. Let them have all my junk. I need we need to get out. We need to get going.
0: Yeah, I think just one thing that popped into my head is both you were discussing, you know, taking different routes. Could be a roadblock, could be a riot, whatever the case may be. Uh read something a while ago. I can't speak to the veracity of it, but it said uh, you know, this huge number of people under a certain age, I don't remember what it was, 30, 35 years old, can't read a map. They're they're so used to to these things um and using gpss to guide them and whatnot so speaking you know in terms of skills and whatnot just being able to read a paper map being able to have a paper map you know a compass all those sorts of things not be so overly reliant on this stuff because it doesn't take much for this stuff to be taken out of the equation
2: oh you're absolutely right and uh every, all my vehicles have maps in them it's not that you know it is stuffed away and i i'd forget it was there but if i need it i know where it's at
0: yeah we have Rand mcnally's and all of ours as well yeah, yeah, yeah. You do you remember the old uh triple a trip ticks you
2: used yeah. to- <laughs> and you'd be we tra- talking about that the other day how <laughs> did i remember when i remember when digital watches came out i remember when calculators came out i remember when answering machines came out when we were growing up in pennsylvania we had five families on one one phone line. You had a certain ring for your house. And then you always had to tell your neighbors to get off the phone when you were talking to somebody, right? How do we survive? I would drive cross country. I mean, I would from Pennsylvania to wow. Texas with a map. I didn't have GPS, we didn't have cell phones, we didn't have anything, you know? I threw a CB in my car just because it was entertaining to listen to. And so people realize, they have to realize their life you're right life exists beyond this thing here i call this a weapon of mass distraction you got you got to learn how to deal without this because this is not life it's not the end all be all for all your information in the world
0: it's i look at these as a double-edged sword when it comes to situational awareness so we know that gas stations is, you know, high probability if you're going to be accosted, that's one of the, you know, locations that it'll happen. And you see people with their face is buried in this, they have no, they're not aware of anything going on around them whatsoever. But on the flip side, these things can be powerful tools to gain situational awareness. So it's a really double-edged sword. And further to your comment on party lines, I'm, I'm not that much younger than you are, Jeff. Um, we had party line when I grew up as well, and there was a family up the road. And then the the grandmother lived with the the parents and the kids. And Mrs. Parsons was her name. And you could you could hear her on the other end of the phone. I distinctly remember my parents say, "Mrs. Parsons, please get off the phone." You know, and you'd always hear that clicking in the background of people checking in on on each other's calls. There was no hiding anything back in the day in the country when you had a party line. <laughs>
2: Well, you know how family remember knock on like, "Hey, I'm still in the bathroom, right?" You 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 hear the clicking. "Hey, I'm still on the phone," and you're talking to one of five one of five families. Yeah, exactly. And just waiting for you to get off so they could have a phone call. It was very interesting. Yeah,
0: uh, simpler times for sure. And you know, I, I my wife and I discuss it frequently. We'd we'd go back in time in a New York minute if we could. You know, life was simpler and better back then, but. Well, listen, I appreciate you all coming on Survival Dispatch News. Um, hope to have you back again, Jeff. Know for a fact that we'll have you back again, Mike, because uh, you do wonderful things for the comment section. You know, I, I I know I forgot to ask you in today's episode, per usual, how long you've been in the CIA. But, you know, we'll leave that discussion for, for another topic, because uh, here at Survival Dispatch News, we seem to have a knack, according to some of our followers, for finding CIA operatives. But <laughs> anyway. I
1: um, speechless. you know whatever
0: <laughs> yeah I hear it so I, I'll end on this appreciate both y'all service to our country it's, it's very much appreciated as well as your time to come on survival dispatch news today thank you very much gentlemen Stay thank safe you out there.
2: hey guys today's
1: video is brought to you by off-grid trek this is their portable solar charging blanket you see it folds up into a really small package about the size of a laptop only weighs about 13 pounds is the perfect solution for charging your portable power station. Of course, as always, we'll have a link so you can learn more about off-grid trip.